0: American Road Trip Talk begins after this message. There's room to roam along the scenic byways in southeast Idaho's high country, and it's a great time to get away and decompress. Did you know southeast Idaho is hot springs country? Come and relax in natural mineral water hot pools. Then visit one of their quirky museums like the Idaho Potato Museum, the Museum of Clean, or the Butch Cassidy Museum. Go to IdahoHighCountry.org to plan your trip. You're sure to find your favorite way to disconnect when you visit Idaho. The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, always glad to have you along for the ride. Our buddy, our producer, Nathan Miller is at the board. Glad he's with us as well. Today, Route 66, The Mother Road. It's a long story that almost 100 years after its inception is still being told. Despite being decommissioned, her glory endures with a resilience and a responsiveness to countless people who take to the open road. Route 66, however, is also part of America's turbulent racial history. Joey Medea, a good friend of the show and a tireless researcher, is standing by with tales of the Green Book. You'll remember that from an Academy Award-winning movie by that name. And the so-called sundown towns that posed a direct threat to African Americans who traveled carefully with the menace of bigotry in mind. This is American Road Trip Talk. We'll be back with Joey Medea and the interview right after this. Adventure, history, and beauty all await you on the Natchez Parkway, a national scenic byway and National Park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes, while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your trip at scenictrace.com. That's scenictrace.com.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, a simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. Go to AlertDrops.com. Very important. Go to AlertDrops.com and stay safe.
0: Welcome back, everyone. American Road Trip Talk discusses Route 66 and an aspect of its history that should concern anyone who is interested in harmony, in the history of race relations, and what happened when and what has happened since. Joey Medea, extraordinary man. You talk about a cultural creative. He's our guy. Joey, welcome to the show. Glad to have you back.
2: Thank you. It's always good to be here.
0: We're coming up, Joey, on the 100th anniversary here. It's not coming up in a matter of months, but it won't be too many more years before there is a centennial celebration. And you're here to talk about Route 66 in all of its glory, yes, but also those aspects of it that are inglorious, ignominious. In fact, as we look back to history and with racial relations being a forefront once again as we are broadcasting and podcasting, What can you tell us about what you discovered? You did tremendous research to pack into a little bit of time concerning Route 66 and its history.
2: That's right, Gary. Um, I'm very excited. I'm involved in a number of projects. It seems to be growing weekly to celebrate the Mother Road, to celebrate Main Street America, as it's called. And we're talking about 2,448 miles across eight states, right? Beginning in Chicago, ending at the pier in Santa Monica. So this is a lot of mileage. It's a lot of states. It's a lot of territories. And of course, the story is going to be very complicated. So we don't want to to take away from pack your bags, get a full tank of gas, hit the road, get your kicks on Route 66, right? As Bobby Troop told us and so many people covered. But a good storyteller, Anyone who has studied story for any length of time knows that we want to include all points of view in the story. That's how we get the best story, because this has a pretty good ending. Right. The civil rights movement comes, you know, in the 1960s while Route 66 is, is still thriving. It's still 20 years from being decommissioned, as a matter of fact. So as I was studying, I found all kinds of great stories. Gary, did you know that in 1919, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, who was a colonel in the United States Army, oversaw, um, a military, um, caravan that went across the country that was called the Lincoln Highway and that sort of planted in his mind the need for this highway system for actually national security. That interesting buzz phrase. Did you know that? I did not know that. Boy, that, yeah. that Ike was everywhere. Oh, he was. And he's <laughs> so interesting with the aliens and all. But we have to really stay stay on track here. But in 1920, there was another one. This was the Bankhead Highway. And this was the southern route where we get closer to where Route 66 actually winds up being. But as I'm doing my research, you know, I'm aware of the movie, the green book. I had watched Lovecraft Country. If any of the listeners know that from a couple of years ago on HBO, um, it was interesting taking basically, if you're familiar with the work of Jordan Peele, um, taking this notion that racism in America is horror. It is the monster. Um, and we've seen a little resurgence of that since, since COVID-19. Everyone is aware, um, of what we're all dealing with and, um, either contributing to or combating as it were. But looking at why we're really here is to look at the green book, which is really. Not just a book about, oh, because there were sundown towns and, oh, because there was this racism and segregation, but there are also heroes that come out of this. There's also um minority businesses that begin to thrive, and that's very interesting to talk about. So, Gary, if you want, I'll take you through a, a few numbers and the basic uh broad strokes of the Green Book.
0: Beautiful. Let me get this in. Before it happened just last night, I was doing a little show prep, Joey. And I read a piece written by a man who, when a a youngster traveled to his grandmother's funeral and his grandfather was there, I guess, on the other side, who had also come in from another state. And the grandfather made a casual remark once he arrived that he hoped once he was there that he wouldn't need the green book. And the grandson asked him in all innocence, what's a green book? Well, that's why there was a movie, and that's why you're here today, to answer that question.
2: So with that in mind, please proceed. That's right. What what we know colloquially as the Green Book is actually the Negro Motorist Handbook. Now, this was published annually from 1936 to 1966. It's good news that as the civil rights movement in the 60s really got going and put protections in place, we no longer needed the Green Book. Um, But for those 30 years, it was desperately needed because of Jim Crow laws and other discriminatory and segregationist practices. There were hotels and restaurants and service stations all over the country, but certainly on Route 66, who would not serve African-American customers. They imposed policies such as segregated seating, limited restroom facilities for black travelers. Coca-Cola machines often during the time had white customers only printed on them. Didn't even, if you were an African-American or other minorities, uh, you weren't even titled to put your money in and, and get a Coke to cool off on the road. There was also a great danger from organizations such as the KKK. So you would see, and people can go back and kind of look at this, it, it's fascinating in a dark way, but fascinating. If you found uh, an organization or a company, say called Cozy Cottage Camp or clean country cottages, but the Cs were replaced with Ks, that three Ks was a code to fellow Klan members, A, A, you know, the brotherhood is here, and B, uh, especially for minorities, especially for African-Americans, stay away from here. Um, And that is interesting that it was encoded in the names of these businesses, right? So here to me is one of the saddest things, if you can imagine, because we took road trips as families. That's what unites us all and makes it America's mainstream, makes it um America's mother road. Uh, to avoid the humiliation of being turned away, to prevent danger to themselves and their families, African Americans would travel with portable toilets, bedding, gas cans, ice coolers. So it's like, When we're in the winter and like, make sure you have your flares, make sure you have your road salt, you know, make sure you have all these things. It was that way. It's very kind of chilling. So in response to this arises a hero, a postal worker from Harlem, New York. His name was Victor H. Green. So the green book, and he listed businesses, hotels, so on and so forth. Oh, beauty salons, nightclubs, guest houses, where it would be safe for african americans and other minorities to stay now he didn't completely invent this idea sad to say this is modeled on jewish travel guides that were created for the borscht belt otherwise known as the jewish alps uh resorts in the catskill mountains sullivan orange ulster counties in the 1930s by 1962 two million people are benefiting from the green book certainly more i mean there's a circulation of two million so do the math you know family three four five sure yeah so um the green book again plays a crucial role in supporting the growth of african-american tourism of businesses of communities that's the really salient point to me before we sort of flip the switch in a couple minutes to get to the real darkness of route 66 and other places in america um, that's what it was for a crucial role in supporting the growth of tourism businesses and communities. That was wonderful. And also again, other minority groups, Hispanics, Asians, native Americans. There are some wonderful documentaries out there now, just do a search on YouTube for some modern documentaries and some young people, millennials and so forth. They're taking these road trips. They're talking to native Americans. You know, where there were the giant teepees, and this was a trading post, and this was Apache this, and this was Comanche that. And they have feelings about this too, Gary. So it's right to, you know, it's right to bring it up. Uh, the Green Book cover said right on it, always carry your Green Book with you. You may need it. So this was very, very much a survival guide. And it offered people an opportunity to to learn how to interact with law enforcement to, to, uh, prevent unfair treatment and harassment by the police, because the police, of course, were the enforcers in the sundown towns. Um, before we get to the sundown, sundown towns, Gary, let me just say this was voted. So a city needed to vote to become a sundown town. This was actually a codified thing and it wasn't, oh, by the way, we are informally a sundown town. So, so that's the green book leading into sundown town.
0: And as a matter of fact, Springfield, Illinois, the capital of Illinois, the land of Lincoln, voted, voted to not be a sundown town. And I read that in the notes that you kindly provided. And I thought, gee, even
2: in Springfield, Illinois, they had to take a vote. Yeah, and that was in 1908. But... The KKK was still kind of running things. There's a place near Springfield called the Fantastic Caverns. It's a very popular tourist site, beautiful caverns, but cross burnings were held there. So if on your travels you happen to go to the caverns there outside of Springfield, Illinois, just keep that in mind, folks, that there was, although they did. Springfield voted it down. You know, Chicago was not a sundown town, but it had no green book businesses on Route 66 for nearly three decades. So it gets, you know, it's not just black and white and uh and and no pun intended there at all. Um, this is complex, complex stuff. I would tell you folks, when you go out to do your research, if you want to learn about the sundown town, sundown towns, there's a lot of misinformation out there about which towns were or were not sundown towns. So Gary, we're not going to really talk specifically about any towns at all. There's one I'm going to mention because it was particularly nefarious. So what is a sundown town? It's a town where predominantly white communities, where blacks and other minorities were at risk if they stayed past sunset. Uh, A very foreboding word begins the sentence, dot, 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 don't let the sun set on you here. That was a sundown town, and they meant business now are we talking about what are we talking about here we're talking about hundreds of towns because we're talking about 44 out of the 89 counties so let's call it 50 percent of the counties along route 66 were sundown towns this was prevalent uh that that was shocking to me gary
0: well yes you know joey i got looking at a map of the sundown towns again as part of show preparation. And what I discovered, and then I made an inference based on what I was seeing, when you consider that there was a migration of African-Americans and other ethnic groups heading north from the states of the old Confederacy. And as they went to the Midwest, they went there hoping that there would be less evident racism and hopefully less racism altogether. But also because that's where the jobs were, especially early in the 20th century. And as they went up there, I can see looking at the map that Illinois, which had more sundown towns than any other state, and also Indiana had them and even Ohio. But with those three states side by side by side, it seems to me that it would have been if you're, if you're a racist white person, that you could look at those states as being the first line of defense because they felt like there was such a migration in such numbers that There was a perceived threat, and when they perceived the threat, they thought they needed to do something very proactive about it, and that remained legal until we had civil rights legislation, specifically the
2: Civil Rights Act of 1964. That's right. I mean... All of this comes down and it's not an in-depth conversation for a show like this, but it comes down to that, that, that idea of scarcity and othering and competition, right? We just had a big Supreme Court vote about affirmative action. People are very sensitive about, well, if they get it, I don't get it. To me, it's a very negative way to think we got to take care of our own business. You know what I mean? But but you're absolutely right. I'll give you one good example, little further south, Gary, than what you were talking about. Um, Outside of the Royce Cafe in Oklahoma, which was located on Route 66, on their postcards, they said that Edmond, which was the town not far from Oklahoma City, a good place to live. 6,000 live citizens, no Negroes. That's exactly what you were talking about in Ohio um, and those other states there, Illinois. I found it interesting that they needed to
0: point out that they had six thousand live citizens.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. So, so a substantial town, right? Six thousand to ten thousand—that's a—that's a good size for a tight knit community. So tight knit that we're being exclusionary, and that was a selling point for people.
0: So what? Happen next how long did they persist was it was it some of the sundown town concept and the need for a, a green book which was published last in 1966 mm-hmm. at one point and i should mention too that mr green presaged in one of his editorial comments that there would come a time he could see it not far down the road when a green book per se wouldn't be necessary Right And it was obviated legally legislatively with the Civil Rights Act of nineteen sixty four. But something tells me that residual racism persisted beyond the signing of that civil rights legislation
2: by President Johnson. Well, it did. And you know, to this day, you know, we can talk about Minneapolis and other where, and George Floyd. So this is obviously an ongoing. Problem, But we have to talk about the victories when they did come. So that means the Civil Rights Acts of 57, of 64, of 65, and of 68. So in the 60s, we're, of course, talking about the work of Robert Kennedy, Sr., Right. Tireless. We're also talking about things from Mississippi burning to the Montgomery bombing. I mean, this was a big fight. We know this with big players, Martin Luther King, so on and so forth. But what did these civil rights acts do? Um, voting rights was a big part of it. Give a voice to the citizens of the country. And, you know, again, today, voting rights are being you know, they're they're being um, they're not always fair. Let's just say that um, a civil rights division was established within the Department of Justice. That was in 1957. That really paved the way for the work that Robert Kennedy did, you know, as attorney general right under his brother's administration. In 64, this is key, Gary. We outlaw segregation in public facilities and employment discrimination, and it granted the federal government the power to enforce desegregation if you are not going to do it, this is so important to us and to the country that we are going to do it for you. We're gonna impose you on it. And we know that that was met in all different kinds of ways. 65 of uh, racial discrimination in voting is outlawed, including the use of literacy tests, poll taxes, all the different things that were used to keep African Americans and other minorities to have a voice. Again, federal oversight and enforcement, um, in areas specifically with a history of voter suppression. And this has been uh on the docket for the Supreme Court in the last, you know, several years. Legislators push, redistricting, and the 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 line becomes um where is the history? How can you prove this history of voter segregation? And of course, the Civil Rights Act of 68, Fair Housing Act, and this uh combated discrimination based on race, color, religion, or national origin. So it's been a process. And the thing that I found fascinating about Route 66, and why I think we're gonna be talking about it a ton in the past three and a half, in the next three and a half years, um, is because it's a reflection of American culture, very much so.
0: Agreed. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, it, you give me the the thought. Well, I'll go ahead. I had the thought listening to you. It's not so much as you gave it to me because that's pinning it on you. But, <laughs> uh, Joey, when I, I think about American history and I think about the future of America, I'm a person of some years. So, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, I don't know what America will look like. But what I can determined for myself is that as much as we look ahead to the future of America and all that we can still accomplish, it's impossible to do so without referencing the past. We go forward, but we're to borrow and paraphrase F. Scott Fitzgerald, we're born
2: back ceaselessly into our
0: own past.
2: That's right. and 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 you can call it a reckoning. You can just call it common sense, good practice. Um, It's certainly on the level, as a storyteller who works a lot with history, as you know, Gary, um, we need to tell all sides. In Vidor, Texas, this was sort of a very infamous sundown town. I was speaking to a friend about the work that I was doing, as I do as a colleague, and he said, well, my wife's grandfather raised dogs exclusively for the purpose of hunting African-Americans after dark. This was this, don't let the sun go down on you there. And I want to, I know we're getting low on time here. I'm going to tell you about something that happened to me in Oklahoma in 2019. So, not that long ago, we were driving, um, we were driving towards uh, Lawton, Oklahoma. So, not far, we weren't on Route 66, the old Route 66, but pretty darn close to it. And I was with a dear colleague of mine who I've known for 10, 15 years. And we were on tour together doing some work. And um, we were driving down the road and we were talking. We're on our way to a a bison sanctuary. Um, And all of a sudden, she grips the wheel. She gets a very serious face. Um, She looks scared. And she starts to pull over to the side of the road. So I'm looking to check engine light. I'm, you know, tire pressure changing. What's going on? as we come to a stop a state trooper goes past and i said to my friend what was that all about she's almost in tears she's shaking gripping the wheel and she says i grew up in detroit she said and when you see a policeman in the rearview mirror she said you pull over and you try to get yourself together for what might come so that was 2019 gary that that's you know we were so near to Route 66. This is so grained in so many people. I appreciate you. Um, you know, you know, people want to have fun on their road trips. So I appreciate you taking taking an episode to to talk about this.
0: It's a, well. You're quite welcome. I hope that all of this is well taken because I would never discourage anyone from going onto Route 66. Get your kicks. It's just easier for some than others. And this is part of american history i don't feel it's to be ignored it's to be explored and then we decide how we can be a better civilization which any country large or small is going to want to do anyway because we all want to have a future that's better than the worst aspects of our past
2: that's right and and you know, next year is going to be very, very interesting. It's somewhat exhaustive. You and I try to, to stay on top of things, uh, public figures in the sense that we, we do these programs. Um, but we can get there. I believe that we can get there. The story in the Green Book, the 2018, uh, film with, uh, Marshala Ali and Viggo Mortensen is very powerful. Folks, if you haven't seen it, I just saw it a month ago. One of the best things Viggo Mortensen's ever done. But the story of Don Shirley and Tony is, is is very, very inspirational. Now, if you take the journey... Over the next three and a half years, so much money and so much effort and talent and personality, celebrity is being thrown at Route 66. This is going to be a very big deal the next three and a half years, and I'm going to bring you some really good entertainment, I promise you. But know this, that nearly 75% of all Green Book sites have been demolished or radically modified, but there are still some there. You can go ahead and visit them. Now, Gary, you and I always talk about the balance, right? So we talked about the darkness in Illinois with all of those sundown towns, but Illinois is doing a great deal in the way of restitution. They're going to pay considerable sums of money for interpretive panels at historic sites highlighting the Negro Motors Green Book. And they're giving $1.17 million to the Springfield Convention and Visitors Bureau. So there's Springfield again, that will go towards a metaverse experience that will use augmented reality and virtual reality to give visitors a sense of what it was like for African-American travelers on Route 66 during that time. Um, I'm working on something similar, completely independent. But this idea of this immersion, we have all of this technology right? This video yes. game technology, this virtual reality, uh, the headset, and you go into these worlds. Why not use that to, to evoke empathy?
0: To I say, great you idea. know,
2: point of view, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And Becky Rep herself told me that there is a Black History Museum in Springfield, Illinois, that is going to be the subject of a future episode of American Road Trip Talk. For the moment, we have to wrap it up. But Joey Medea, you know you're welcome here anytime, my friend. We thank love you, the history that you provide. You're a great researcher. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky representative co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road.